Hi, I'm Raphael Honigstein, and you're listening to the Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome in to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works show. We have a full house tonight and an interesting lineup of words that will be spewing out of our mouths, different discussion topics that we have. I don't know why I phrased that as words spewing out of our mouths, but, you know, it's the international break. Things are a little weird that we don't have a Bayern game to cover at the end of this week, but that's okay because, as I did mention, we do have a full house, and that means I am joined by not only Tom Adams, but Chuck Smith. Boys, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Jake, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back with you guys. Uh, it's been a while since I was able to sit in with you two boys, so this will be a lot of fun. I'm, I've been looking forward to getting back here, so let's let's get at it. Yeah, Jake, I mean, it's not quite Friday yet, and it's the international break, so we don't have that going well for us. But you know what? The gang's back together. The boys are back in town. The big three, the uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Chris Brosh, if you want to call it that, something like that. I know that's a terrible analogy. There's probably a better one for uh, uh, a, a football trio. Three but, Stooges, Tom. Yeah. I think we're the Three Stooges. There we go. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I don't think any of us are qualified to call ourselves the LeBron of that trio, if anything. <laughs> and this is no disrespect to the man. We're all kind of flipping a coin together to see who would be Chris Bosh, who would be Chris <laughs> Anderson, and who would be his late 40s Shane Battier. But, there we go. Moving on from basketball references, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, including a potential disruption in the Bayern Munich locker room, an injury to a player who is not on Bayern, but we have to talk about, and what we expect from this Germany team in this international break. But first things first, I am going to give a disclaimer about this first segment. Uh, The reason why we are going to keep this segment relatively short is because None of us really feel qualified to talk at length about this subject, but we have to discuss it because it deserves all of the props that it gets. We do not do a lot of coverage of the women's team, FC Bayern Frauen, on this podcast, but we want to give them their props. We want to give them their flowers because they fully deserve it. Today, I believe they played their first game in the UEFA Women's Champions League quarterfinals against Rosengard. They beat them 3-0, and it just continues this long, fantastic season of utter dominance that this Bayern women's team has had over this uh, over the course of this season, over the course of these 16 games in their season, uh, the Frauen are 16-0. and 0. They have only conceded three goals across 16 games, which I guess technically makes them the best team in Germany. Uh, the longtime uh, Giants in this Wolfsburg are right on their tails. They have a 14-1-1 one, one record. And they've conceded 11 goals, but... Um, Moving on from the real nitty-gritty of this, uh, I would like to learn more about this team. I would love to be able to talk more about this team. If you guys want to hear more about it, let us know. We will do our best to provide that content for you because uh, with the torrid pace that they're on, they fully deserve it. But uh, 
yeah, I'll give you guys the opportunity to go ahead and uh, sing your praises for these women who absolutely fully deserve to uh, have praises thrown their way. Jake, you're 100% right. I mean, this is a team who I've gotten a chance to see probably three or four times uh, this season. And every time I watch them, I come away more and more impressed. And, you know, when you go over their stats and you look at their record, sure. I mean, you can look at it and you say, well, that is a dominant team. But this, it's a dominant team that's doing all of this without two of its best players and Julia Gwynn and Jovana Damjanovic uh, to be able to, to go on the run that they have uh, been able to do both in the league and in their other competitions. Uh, it, it's been super impressive. And I think a, a couple of the players that Jake, that I've seen this, this season that have stood out to me in the, in the games that I've been able to watch. I mean, Lena Magulis has been one who absolutely she just bosses the midfield. She's impressive. She looks like she's in complete control out there. I know when I when I watch the games and and believe me, Jake, they're not they're not available that much. I mean, when when we're watching, we're we're like scraping to get the YouTube feeds, or every once in a while you may see something that come through the Byron website. But it's it's been good to be able to to take a look at these players appreciate how good they are because they play an exciting fast and creative brand of football that i think many fans would like if they had the opportunity to see and and i also think jake it probably hurts you know anybody like i know tom he's he's at work during the day he doesn't exactly have time to sit down and uh pop on youtube and watch the frowling but uh for losers like me who have that chance i i certainly like to do it and have fun watching them yeah so uh, chuck you just made a funny comment but if anyone from Bayern is listening if you could write me a, a note to where i could be able to leave work or not go to work to cover the frowling and likewise perhaps even the Bayern munich reserves and the Bayern munich senior team on champions league days i'd be more than happy for that to happen but jake just as you had said uh going into this segment i myself am by no means uh, an expert on the the frauen bundesliga or a lot of the women's leagues in europe uh, so i have to start by saying that but i would say that i know you two are familiar with the fact of the dominance that the Wolfsburg women's team has had in the in the Bundesliga so the season that the Bayern Frauen are having is absolutely amazing Jake as you mentioned only three goals conceded and the next best behind them is that Wolfsburg team who've conceded 11 and they're five points behind them in the Frauen Bundesliga standings and as you mentioned already one foot in the door of the semifinals of the women's UEFA Champions League so it's really going to be incredible to see how this season finishes for them and uh, for a lot of people that are advocates of women's soccer that might not know uh, a lot outside of the realms of the U.S. women's soccer team and all of the success that they've had, definitely a fantastic time to get into it. And hopefully that we can be a part of that and help uh, bring some of the news from the Bayern Frauen to you and likewise the Women's Champions League. But if you're not already paying attention, now is a great time to start doing so because this team is truly doing something remarkable this season. This team is doing remarkably well. Women's soccer as a whole in Europe is doing phenomenally well with a number of teams being completely dominant in each of their divisions. And you can just see that in the teams that matched up elsewhere in the UEFA Women's Champions League. You had Chelsea playing this Wolfsburg team that we mentioned. They beat them 2-1, to one, that game being played in Budapest. Uh, 
Barcelona beating Manchester City 3-0. And while the Barcelona men's team is in utter shambles, the women's team at Barcelona, 20 games played, 20 wins, 99 goals scored for, 3 conceded. Utter dominance. That Man City team, by the way, has only conceded 11 goals across 17 games, and they're sitting in second place in the Women's Super League over in England. And then what might have been the most exciting draw out of all of this are the top two teams in France's first division in PSG and Lyon. Lyon has long been a dominant team in women's European soccer. Uh, This season, they are sitting in second behind Paris Saint-Germain. 14 wins and one loss for this Lyon team over 15 games, but still only five goals conceded from them. Paris... 14 wins, one draw, no losses, 61 goals scored, two conceded. It's an exciting time to be watching women's soccer, and we hope that we can be able to bring more of that content to you if you want to see it. So please, again, let us know if you want to see it, and we will do our best to try and bring that to you. Moving on from that, we are going to talk about the... uh, the less successful Bayern Munich team, the men's team. Uh, <laughs> Nicolas Sula has been a talking point over the last couple of days. Uh, I've been reading a number of things about it, but Chuck has been on top of it for us. So I want you to kind of catch up the audience with what's been going on with Sula, where things stand with him and the team, and what could be potentially developing over the next couple of months with Nicolas Sula and this uh, first team for uh, for the Bavarian Giants. Jake, Nicolas Sula is one of the more fascinating players on the Bayern roster this season for me. Uh, just to, to circle back a little bit, I mean, this is a player who is coming off a major knee injury, uh, probably rushed back a little bit, struggled to find his form, uh, and was, you know, really asked to be a, maybe a little bit more versatile and flexible than he had been in the past. Obviously, we've seen him operate out of both center back positions. We've seen him operate at right back. And he's, and I feel like he's done so pretty well <clears throat> whenever, whenever asked to fill in in any role on the back line. Uh, but one of the, the more interesting things that's come up with Sula is that, you know, he is entering the final year of his contract. And obviously, for most fans, it just seems like it is a foregone conclusion that Sula would be a player that Byron would, would build around and that would bring back. But some of the stories we've seen of late have, have kind of put some doubt in my mind. And I think about Sula and what he was when he came to Byron and what he is now. And I feel like this is a player that the club probably should invest into. The problem is I'm not sure if the player himself wants to stick around Bavaria. And if you look at the roster, Jake and Tom, you'll see that obviously David Alaba, Jerome Boateng and Javi Martinez are are three players that probably won't be back with Bayern Munich. Obviously Alaba, we've heard the, Formal news that he is leaving, but for Boateng and Martinez, I think just about everyone expects them to leave. Uh, players that you would probably think will return would be Benjamin Pavar, Luca Hernandez, Bunasar, 
maybe. Alfonso Davies and Tangai Nianzu. That would seem like a pretty good but young and probably inexperienced core for a back line. Uh, of course, Dio Upamakano and Omar Richards are rumored to be coming in. We know Upamakano is official, but Richards, we have not gotten that word on. And Chris Richards and Lars Lucas Meyer are out on loan. So where does that leave Sula? Well, it probably leaves him feeling like that's a crowded room for the back line. And if I was Sula and I was in my mid-20s and I was a player that needed to be guaranteed a starting role, that I would want that security, uh, I don't know if I would look at this situation and say it's right for me. Obviously, with Upamakano coming in, he's a right-footed center back. He's going to demand a lot of playing time, uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of focus on him. And over on the left side, you're going to have Luca Hernandez, who, of course, was Byron's record signing. Uh so, guys, when you look at all of that and you factor all of that in, if you're Nicholas Sula, I mean, do you look at the situation and say, I'm going to stay, I'm going to fight for this, I might be the third center back, I might be the first, I don't know, but I'm going to gamble on myself, gamble on my career and extend my contract? Or do you start looking abroad, maybe at an offer from Chelsea and say, well, they're going to guarantee me starting minutes, they're going to pay me a heck of a lot of money, and maybe I'll just, you know, go abroad and check things out in England for a few years. What would you do in that situation? Because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking Sula, the, the contract extension for him is, is no sure thing. Yeah, Chuck, you, you brought it up. You know, it's a unique situation with Nicolas Sula at Bayern Munich. I know you've extensively written, uh, you know, sometimes a bit satirically about, you know, his weight issues. Uh, the coaching staff has had issues with how much weight he had gained during quarantine, and that's not the first time they'd brought it up. And as you mentioned, coming back from the ACL injury, which is the second time in his career, actually, remember, that he's done so. Remember, he tore his ACL once back when he was a Hoffenheim player as well. And it's kind of funny, uh, Chuck, the stories that you and I had written yesterday about Hernandez uh, and Sula, respectively. I believe yours had gone live first where there was a situation that if Nicolas Sula were to leave, the internal reports were that Benjamin Pavard would be moved to center back, but Hansi Flick had his reservations about that, specifically having to do with Pavard's build-up play out of the back, right? Because uh, we hardly ever see him at center back at Bayern, primarily at right back, even though he played as a center back a lot at VfB Stuttgart. But Hernandez, he had basically told uh, Sport 1, I, th uh, I think actually I believe it was uh, Le Equip through Sport 1 that... Uh, Bayern was planning for the future for him to play more as a center back instead of at left back and that Alfonso Davies would get that bonafide left back start. And as you mentioned, Dio Upamakano is coming in next season. So Nicolas Sula is definitely looking at this and getting a little bit worried because it seems that even when Luca Hernandez doesn't play, Hansi Flick is right there standing in his corner singing his praises, right? I mean, we've seen this a handful of times and it seems that Hernandez... Uh, has been very responsive to that. He'll put in a shift, even if it's only 20 minutes, 10 minutes, without uh, consecutive starts for a couple of weeks in whatever competition it is. Uh, and I think he understands that he's a big part of the, the plans for the future. And the season's moving on. Chuck, as you mentioned, uh, as Bayern's record signing before Leroy Sané uh, came in. but uh, Or actually, he still might even be the record signing. But there's just a lot of complex moving parts. And to answer your question, I think he... Nicolas Sula, as much as he would probably like to stay at Bayern, he sh certainly is looking at the attractive offer from Chelsea, especially now a former Bundesliga manager that definitely knows Sula well, and Thomas Tuchel, 
uh, you have to consider too. There's a back line there. I'm not sure what Tuchel, how Tuchel feels about Kurt Zuma in Chelsea's back line, how he feels about Thiago Silva, who is a Frank Lampard signing, so also a guy who's very old and coming towards the end of his career. So there's also that connection of Antonio Rudiger at Chelsea that he could potentially pair uh, and then have Kai Havertz and Timo Werner in the squad. Um you know, I'm sure that Rudiger is potentially whispering into Zula's ear, especially uh, at the German camp. So he certainly has to be looking at those offers. And um, whether he accepts them or not and Bayern is able to get a contract renewal resolved, that time will tell. I will say a couple of things, right? Because I don't know what I would do if I was Nick Zula. I'd say just right now I'd focus on my football, right? I'd give the boring answer that players want to give journalists, right? I'm sorry, I just want to focus on my team. I'm only focused on this season for right now, right? If I was Chelsea and I was looking at Bayern's back line, I look at Nick Sula, who will probably cost me 40 to 50 million euros, right? Understanding it's the pandemic market. Uh, in order to buy him off of Bayern Munich and then the salary that you have to pay him. And then I look at David Alaba. He's a little bit older. He's a little more experienced, though. He's still quick, still fantastic on the ball, still very good on defense, uh, plays the left side. Uh, if you ask me, I don't know if I take Sula when I can get David Alaba on a free. Now, I know Roman Abramovich is in charge of Chelsea. Right, I understand that money is of no concern to him and this club, but regardless, right, it's easier to pry Alaba over to uh, to Chelsea than it is to get Sula over to Chelsea. That's my first point. My second point is this: I don't understand why it's a debate that Nick Sula. With Alaba gone and Boateng gone is not one of the top two center backs on this team. It's insane to me that we're even having that part of this discussion, right? Upamakano comes in, right? Sure, he challenged to be either the top or the second center back, right? But after that, you're going to tell me that Luca Hernandez is going to supplant Nicolas Sula at center back? Despite the decent season that Luca Hernandez has been having whenever he's been playing, no. To me, absolutely no. Right? He he would be my third choice center back option. Luca Hernandez would behind Upamakano coming in and Sula in either particular order. Right? As much as I love Chris Richards and as much as I want him to do well, I don't think I would put Richards above Sula on this team. I wouldn't put my above Sula on this team. So to me, if I'm the Bayern boss, if I'm Brazo, Brazo, listen to me. You need to reassure Nick Sula that he has a place in this team, that he belongs in the starting conversation consistently every week for this team. Because if you're about to lose Jerome Boateng, if you're about to lose David Alaba, you need to keep Sula there, right? And as for the perceived weight problems that he's had, just look at any time that he's played right back and he's ventured up the pitch. Whatever weight problems the coaching staff thinks he has, it does not affect the fact that he can still run up the field and still dribble well, right? I will admit I was a little bit concerned, right, about his perceived weight problems when we were playing 
Bayer Leverkusen, one of the fastest teams in this league, but the way that he was able to handle Leon Bailey and Musa Diaby, you've lost me. You've lost me at he's too slow, right? Because he was able to shut them all down. He was able to shut them all down now. Chuck is talking about his knee injury, and that's obviously a concern. You can debate whether or not he got rushed back. We can keep going on that angle, but... To say that his knee injury keeps him out of the conversation of being either the best or the second best consistent starting center back on this team when we consider the amount of injuries that Jerome Boateng and David Alaba have gone through in their careers is a little bit disingenuous. And I really think that if Bayern botched this, then I'd be disappointed and I'd be shocked because if they do, they better have a good plan in their back pocket and it probably wouldn't involve poaching another center back from Leipzig. And that's all I have to say about yeah, Jake, that. Jake, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the weight thing because I know we've all had kind of a good laugh at that, but we've had a good laugh at it because, like you said, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really crazy. Yes, he's a bigger dude. I mean, that, he is never going to be a guy who's going to look small. I mean, he's six foot four, 215 pounds or so, and this is not a player who's ever going to look dainty by any means. So I think every time we see that, we all get a little laugh out of it because it's just so absurd. Because I think about the sports writers or the people sitting in the front office who might be whispering about this. And I think, oh, God, are these people actually commenting on Sula's weight? I mean, it's ridiculous because, I mean, half of these people probably, <laughs> I mean, I don't think most sports writers or front office personnel should be commenting on, on, on a guy like Sewell's weight. I, I, I always like, I seriously always got a kick out of it because it's just so absurd to me because if any of us tried to line up and, and face Sewell in a race, he would smoke all of us, Jake. I'd be dead. <laughs> right. I, I would be dead in that race. And more importantly, to, to touch on the weight problem one final time, right? If he was a striker, sure. If he was broader, it might be a bit of a concern. If he's a midfielder, then maybe, right? But I'll I'll just think of another sport, for example, Chuck, sport that you know pretty well, uh, hockey. Uh, are you really going to complain if you have a broader defenseman, <laughs> a larger defenseman playing for your team because he might be a little bit too big and too imposing if there is such a thing <laughs> for a defensive player? We're talking about a center back here. We're not talking about Timo Werner. We're talking about Nick Sula playing center back. Being wider, right, in terms of being broad, is not a bad thing for defense. And more importantly, he's match fit. He still has stamina, and he can still run up and down the pitch. So the concept of wanting, like, a skinnier Nick Sula at defense and that it's his fault that he isn't is a ridiculous concept to me because in that position you might want somebody who's a little bit more imposing and takes up more space on your back line yeah. I, I'm I can't be the only one in 
in that, in thinking that that's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, and for the record, I, I I am fully on board with bringing Sula back. I think it's one of those moves that Byron has to make. And I guess the big concern is if they can't get a deal done, probably by August, then they'll be looking to ship him off. So that'll be something we'll definitely be following closely. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope they get it done too. I would love for him to stay at Byron. I personally don't really think his weight really has any significance on potential contract renewal talks. Uh, if any, I think it's just something he's worked with uh, the fitness department, uh, Professor Holger Broek with. So, um, you know, I know we joke about it and we talk about it, and it has been discussed from uh, by Hansi Flick and Byron's coaching staff and physios, physios and um, you know fitness trainers. But I don't really think that's something that's actually weighing on his future at Byron. But uh, Chuck, I'm I'm with you and, and Jake as well. I really would love to see him renew, and I would love for us to be able to sit here next season and say we have Upa Makano, Luca Hernandez, and Nicolas Sula in addition to Alfonso Davies and Benjamin Pavard. You know, giving giving us some depth. So, fingers crossed that happens, and you know, uh, we'll see what happens though. Let's hope that we really don't bungle this one. Uh, next topic of discussion: uh, we're talking about the injury of a non-Bayern player, but. It happened in a game against Bayern, this incident, right? Uh, I saw this tweet, I forget from which writer, but it was a Bundesliga writer. And it went something to the effect of the amount of people expressing concern for Silas Wamangituka's injury, who are not fans of Stuttgart, just goes to show you how big of a talent and how impressive of a player he is and so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit right now uh if you don't follow Stuttgart very close Silas Wamangituka player from the Democratic Republic of the Congo played 25 games 11 goals 5 assists tore uh, a ligament in his leg I think either around like a little after halftime or just before halftime he had to get taken off of that Bayern game against Stuttgart. Um, I'm sad. I, I'll, I'll count myself among the sad, right? Like, it's going to hurt Stuttgart, but Stuttgart has fantastic attacking talent, right? Sasa Kalajic and uh, Nicholas Gonzalez will be more than able to step in for Wamangituka, but he was such a dying... He, I, I say was like he's dead, but he is. He is a quick dynamic strong intelligent player on the right wing for for this uh for this Stuttgart team he plays impeccable crosses he breaks down defenses incredibly easily and he's also cheeky as hell and to the point where he was playing a game against Werder Bremen they were up and he had a breakaway uh touched the ball past the keeper and it was just him and the open mouth of the goal and he just slowed the ball down turned around watched that the goalkeeper I believe it was Pavlenka wasn't coming to go and take care of the ball and he just took his time and as I think as a Bremen defender was coming, he just slowly rolled it in with his left foot. Loved that. Loved to watch that. I don't exactly remember when in the season it happened. It happened earlier in the season, but he, he was probably one of my favorite Bundesliga players outside of Bayern to watch. Um, 
He's got tremendous value, not only to uh, to Stuttgart and to the league, but also monetary value, right? Future monetary value for Stuttgart. He's currently rated at uh, 27.5 million U.S. dollars from Transfermarkt. Uh, I imagine due to his age, he's 21 years old. If anyone bought him, he would go for a lot more. Uh, though he is under contract until 2024, he just recently moved in August of 2019 from Paris FC. Uh, I hope he gets better soon. Uh, Transfer Mart is saying that he's projected to come back in October of 2021. So that would be really sad. It would be very sad if this sunk Stuttgart season too, uh, considering not only the breadth of young talent, but also the American coaching talent in uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo. Shout out to uh, to the boy from New Jersey. But I was very sad to see him go off. I hope he gets better. I love him. I hope he could come to a Bayern uniform one day. If not, he sounds like a perfect kind of player for the Premier League. And I don't know why. I had this thought earlier today. Imagine him on Crystal Palace with him and Wilfred Zaha on those wings, I would automatically shove Crystal Palace into a top seven conversation if they got uh, the the money up to go get Vomangatuka. But I hope he stays in the Bundesliga. Uh, I haven't heard any rumors to say otherwise, but I hope he gets better very soon. And I was very sad to see him go off in this game, even though, it did benefit Byron in some way, even though the game was pretty much out of hand at that point. But uh, Chuck, Tom, uh, go ahead, give your thoughts. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, not condolences, but just well wishes, I guess. Yeah, it's a shame to see any young player go down with such a devastating injury. And it's, you know, it, it comes at a time for Stuttgart as well, where that team was really playing well. They were really a team on the rise. So from a morale standpoint, that probably hurts them a bit. Obviously, from a talent standpoint, it hurts them. But just from from the standpoint of looking at a young kid who had shown so much talent and promise, you hate to see any type of injury that could have such a long-term effect on him. And we all know that knee injuries now are handled much better than they were 10, 20 years ago. But still, uh, the pressure on these players to come back early right before or, or before they're really even fit and we've seen some instances with Byron where you we, you know we just talked about Nicholas Sula I think he came back too early I think Quarantan Taliso came back too early I just hope with Stuttgart that they realize the type of talent they have in this kid and that they let him take the time he needs I'd rather see him come back in January if that's better for him than October so uh, let's just hope he has a, a smooth recovery and that Stuttgart doesn't lose the momentum that they've built up as a team over the past few months yeah just as a general fan of the the Bundesliga in addition to being a Bayern fan this was pretty pretty devastating it was one of those ones you know the incident didn't really look like anything at all him and David Alaba were shoulder to shoulder. Alaba showed had ex- shown his experience quite well. Wamangatuga had him beat for pace, but Alaba got himself between the player and the ball, and you know it was good shoulder to shoulder, completely legal contact. But Wamangatuga just kind of fell awkwardly and then clattered into the advertising boards, and you knew when he didn't get up right away. And David Alaba went over to kind of console him and you know make sure he was okay that something probably wasn't right, and um, it's. Yeah, I mean Jake and Chuck. It's just I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a Bundesliga fan that doesn't have the utmost respect for this guy. I mean he's he's one of the the most class players in the league in my opinion. 
I know I mentioned this earlier, but for me, no one will replace Wout Weghorst as my favorite non-Bayern Bundesliga player, the Flying Dutchman. He's always going to be number one in my heart um, as a non-Bayern player, but we've all been such big fans of Silas Homangituka, and this Stuttgart team, as you guys had both mentioned, has been very, very exciting under Matarazzo, and you know, I think ninth place perhaps doesn't even do them justice. I think their performances have been a little bit better than that. And there's been so many exciting players to watch. As you mentioned, Kalaizic, Silas Wamangituka, Tangai Kulabali, especially in the beginning phases of the season when he was uh, getting more minutes. Waturu Endo, who recently has been a phenom for my fantasy team, aside from the 4-0 uh, against Bayern. Borna Sosa as well. That guy is becoming as fixture-proof as Kevin De Bruyne uh, in Fantasy Premier League. I love having him in my team, and I, I, loved, I just love how exciting the Stuttgart team is. And hopefully losing Wamangi Tuka long-term won't spell their downfall. Uh, I have faith that it won't, but he is definitely going to be a huge miss. And, Jake, I think it's telling, too, that on our Twitter account, when I had uh, sent out the tweet about feeling terrible for Wamangi Tuka in the beginning of the week, that's I can I'm looking at it right now. I can tell you that was pretty much our highest engaged tweet from this week there's always a little bit of a lull during the international break and i'm i'm you know for me that just kind of says it all because we get a lot of people who are just fans of the bundesliga uh let alone Bayern fans coming to our page so that pretty much sums it up right there and uh if for whatever reason any swabians or stuttgart fans are listening speedy recovery of mangatuka we hope you come back stronger uh, and get back out there as soon as you can. Hopefully he is able to recover. I hope the team doesn't rush him back. I hope that he is fully ready to go when he first touches the pitch for Stuttgart this season. Last thing that we are going to talk about before we wrap this thing up is what we expect out of the German national team. They play three games, one of them this Thursday against Iceland, uh, one uh, against Romania in Romania three days later, and then on the last day of March, they play a game against North Macedonia. So, bit of an interesting lineup. It was a bit of an interesting group that Germany got drawn into in uh, in this version of the uh, of the competition of the European qualifiers for the World Cup to be held in Qatar in November, I believe, of 2022. So the first game being played against Iceland uh, in Duisburg, both of the German home games, the game against Iceland and Macedonia, are in Duisburg. The other one is in, uh, I think it's Bucharest? I think Bucharest is the capital of uh, of of Romania, and that's where their national stadium is, I believe. If I'm wrong, I apologize to the Romanians. Um, but, yeah, let's start talking about this uh, Iceland team. Iceland are currently, kind of scrolling through the FIFA World Rankings as I'm going through them, Iceland are currently ranked 46th in the FIFA World Rankings, while Germany are in 13th. So, Iceland obviously have a fantastic, lovely tale about the Euros, and then making their first World Cup. Uh, what do we expect from this game? Just very quickly, what do we expect from uh, from this game in Duisburg? Honestly, I don't expect much at all. <laughs> I'm so down on Yogi Love and this and this this group as a whole, based on their performances, their most recent performances. Uh, but that said, despite my pessimism, anything less then a victory in this game uh, will be a nightmare. So 
let's just uh, let's just hope that Germany's overall talent level, uh, speed and depth will be the different differentiators in this match. Yeah, Jake. Just to keep it short and sweet, from a Germany perspective, I expect a very uh, labored and pesky three points, and anything less is a, is a massive disappointment. Uh, for Die Mannschaft, you know, Iceland can be very pesky at times. Uh, you know, so much of their legacy is, you know, built off of the, the 2016 Euros in France, knocking England out, um, going toe-to-toe with France and losing out to them in the end. Um, but I think there's just too much firepower from Germany. Hopefully, Joachim Love puts out the right lineup for each given match. And, I mean, just holistically, I mean, anything less than nine points from these three matches, Jake and Chuck, you know, is would be a disappointment. That has to be the bare minimum for these games. For all of these games, absolutely, I completely agree. Uh, this Romania game is interesting to me. I won't necessarily ask about the North Macedonia game because I would be devastated and just utterly confused if they don't pull out a win against North Macedonia. Uh, Romania, 37th in the FIFA World Rankings, and we are playing in their stadium. Now, granted, that doesn't necessarily mean anything nowadays, thanks to, you know, gestures to the current state of the world. Um, So what do we think of this one? This Romania team are very interesting. They did qualify for their second consecutive Euros. Uh, What do we expect out of them? Yeah, I'm in the same boat uh, as I was with Iceland. Uh, While I respect Romania and, and the talent level that they have, this is simply a game that the Germany should win. They need to win. Anything less is a disaster. So let's hope that doesn't happen. For this one, an even more labored and an even more pesky three points for Dimanschaft. And, you know, the, just when we speak of Romania, I just have like flashbacks of Georgie Haji clips with that like crazy like flick back he would always do where he seemed to generate so much power with such a, a small like wind up on his back heels and this also just reminds me of the 94 World Cup and how we now have to get a petition going out for Chuck to uh, bleach blonde dye his hair just like the entire Romanian squad did <laughs> for the 94 World Cup USA <laughs> tournament I know Chuck already kind of has the uh, the blonde locks to start so uh, we should get a BFW petition out there to get him to do that for the, <laughs> this summer's world uh, this summer's Euros rather yeah, the handlebar mustache petition and the bleach blonde petition. I am going to be one sorry-looking dude this summer if that all passes through. Sorry, I don't think that's the word for it, Chuck. I think you're selling yourself quite short. <laughs> you'd be able to pass as the reserve basis for Twisted Sister, so you'd be fine. <laughs> There's um, nothing wrong with that. Stay hungry, We're not going to take Absolutely it. There not. you go. I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry to be the backup basis for Twisted Sister, but if it fulfills whatever you do, uh, dreamed in high school then go right ahead chuck go ahead and do you jake you're killing me i was i was in grade school when twisted sister was big you're making me like 10 years older than i already am you're killing me i don't know if that necessarily (laughs) helps your case chuck i don't know if that either ages you more or less so it's a little tough either way but I mentioned I wasn't going to go in depth on the North Macedonia game and we won't, but I do have to point out that will be the final game that Yogi Love will play in the middle of a club season. It will be the last game that he plays during an international break. So that is something that is interesting. 
it will not make me tune into the game, but it is a point that we should note. So, I guess the one thing that I guess I'm really looking forward to out of these three slated games is to see Germany play in their new away kits. I'm not exactly sold on the... I, I love all black jerseys, and... I find it weird that the crest, if you haven't seen it, look it up. I think it's solid overall. I just feel like the one thing that was weird to me was the the crest, the German the German national team crest also being like a similar shade of black and how that didn't necessarily pop out. I think it's cool, but I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying I'm going to buy it, but I think that might be the one design point of the of the jersey that I didn't necessarily like. Tom, I know that you do, like me, uh, you also do uh, jersey posts. So what did you think of this? I like this. I'm a very big fan of keeping it sleek and very, very simple. Uh, so because of that, I, I'm a big fan of this kit. I know, like you said, with the, uh, you know, the shades of, of, the, of the crest looks not as standout-ish, and it's not exactly um, a, a color that, that contrasts the, the bold of the jersey as much as other ones, but this kind of coincides with, uh, I know I'm a huge fan of the traditional Bavarian kit that we wore last March uh, for the 150th anniversary celebration. In that respect, I like the, that there's tradition. I like that they still have the detail on the, um, the, the bottom of the sleeves, similar to the home kit. So I I, uh, I like this kit. I don't know if it's going to be number one on my purchase list. I do kind of uh, am a nerd when it comes to collecting like certain jerseys. There's a very random array of stuff I have in my closet. Um, but holistically, I'm, I'm a fan of this kit. I can't wait to see them do well in it. And hopefully it's a kit that they do do well in uh, collectively because I was also a big fan, Jake, of the kit that you sport often, the green Germany away kit from 2018 uh, Russia, but obviously uh, brings up some very, very bad memories uh, for obvious reasons. But nonetheless, it's a great kit. And I just have to correct myself too. I don't know why I was connecting the 94 World Cup to the Romanian bleach blonde hair. That was definitely 98 in France, but still want to see that happen with Chuck. But yeah, Jake, I know you're about to say something about that that green kit, which is an awesome kit, just with terrible connections. It's a bad connection. I have worse connections to the white kit, in fairness. Yeah, sure, we wore it when we beat Sweden, but we also wore it when we should have beaten Mexico, so that's what I really hold back on. But the reason why I really don't hate that away kit is because it might be the most stylish kit that i own and for my money and again granted i'll i'll timeline myself in order to check myself right i was born in 98 so i was not around for italia 90 is the best germany kit that i've seen in my lifetime it is by far and away incredibly stylish i've i've worn it in many different occasions outside of soccer, right? Just playing soccer or watching soccer. It is my most like consistently worn jersey. But yeah, as you mentioned, it probably won't be a top of my list, seeing especially because I still have a Scotland kit to buy. But we uh 
we overall, I guess we kind of like it. We kind of like this kit. Chuck, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I like it. Like Tom said, I think it's nice and sleek. And the the, the one thing that I, I definitely think could improve it is if there was some other color, and I'm just using white as an example to make that crest pop out. I, I really like how the white lettering and numbering on the back stands out. Uh, and I just think that one last detail would have made that a, a really, really awesome kit. But I feel like I feel with like Adidas... With the... Uh, there's always like one little thing that they could do differently to make something totally awesome. Like those green kits, Jake, I, I, my kids both have multiple versions of those kits. Like when they wear them all the time, still the lettering on the back still is a little like from a distance, you really can't see sometimes what some of the letters are. So it's just Adidas is so close so many times, uh, but there's always one little thing off. But yeah, I, I do like them overall. Yeah, Chuck, I'm surprised that you know no one at Adidas has contacted anyone from Bavarian Football Works <laughs> kit leak department because we are available for hire, and That's we right. we ask the people salsa. we ask the people what they want and we give them what they want because th these kits exactly. need to be for the people. Exactly, you could just pay me five dollars, and me with my terrible drawing skills could probably design better kits than whatever Adidas rolled out for MLS this season, but. I'll actually say this. I'll actually plug this. I will be similar to my write-up I did with our sister Chelsea blog, uh, We Ain't Got No History. Uh, one of their writers, Andre Carlisle, and I did a write-up for reviewing every European soccer kit to come out in 2020. We will be releasing one for the MLS, so anyone that is interested in MLS, be sure to keep an eye out for that. We're just waiting on... I think one or two more teams to drop their kits and then we'll put that review out. It might be like a full on review. It might be a tier list. I'm not exactly sure we're going to figure it out, but it will be released. And uh, as much as I love Adidas and their design for Bayern kits uh, in a year that Adidas said that they were going to make a lot less white kits, they sure made a lot of freaking white kits. They made so many white kits. <laughs> it is unbearable but that is not for this podcast that is for a later write-up that is for a different podcast and it's time to end this podcast so thank you all for listening uh please be sure to like rate share subscribe and download us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and anywhere else you get your quality audio content follow us on twitter at bavarian fb works thank you once again for listening we i don't think we plan on releasing any like like previews of these German national team games or post-game reactions, but we will most likely be putting out a full episode next week when the break ends, and we will definitely be putting one out uh, to preview the game against Leipzig. So, until then, we will see you all later. Enjoy the international break. Enjoy some time off, and we will see you when the action gets hot once again. Auf Wiedersehen.